Today's read, Midnight and the Meaning of Love by Sister Soja, Chapter 20. Friends, A. Your left shoulder's moving a little slow, my man, Vega yelled to me. If you got one good shoulder and one good hand, you better practice shooting with them. Like I told all you players, if you got to fight or fuck, do it after the game, not before. I need all of you to be in top condition to make me look good. After basketball practice, Bangs didn't show up uninvited like she normally would. Only my eyes did a quick and thorough search. I didn't move one other muscle or limb to go looking for her. I had dojo tonight, and everything in my Thursday schedule was back to back. I left the gym in a pack with the others and headed down the steps to the subway with a few of them. I jumped on the train and headed to the dojo. On the street outside the dojo, I could see Amir. He was coming from one direction and I was coming from the other. Other fighters walked up and pulled up one by one and entered the dojo. I stood, waiting for Amir to reach me. Meanwhile, the caddy pulled up smoothly. I watched as Amir seen the caddy from a distance. Then he dropped back some and sidestepped and waited for Chris's father, Reverend Broadman, to pull off. I wondered why. What's up, brother? Chris gave me a pound. I see you got your chauffeur service in full effect. I kidded him. Yeah, I got a ride here, but I got to get the train home. Tonight, the Cosby show is on, and my father watches it with my mother and little brother and sister religiously. I mean, nobody can schedule anything when that show is on. The Cosby show? I repeated. Come on now. I know you heard about it before, and you've seen it too, Chris said. I ain't seen it, I assured him. Man, there's a girl on that show I'm going to marry, Lisa Bonet. Damn, she fine. Let's go in, Chris said, grabbing my injured arm. Amir's coming up now, I pointed. Two black eyes and a busted lip. That's what Amir was hiding. Yo, what the fuck happened to you? Chris asked first. Who we gotta see? I asked Amir seriously. Whoever did this shit to you? We gotta see him. We could do it tonight. We could do that instead of Dojo. I was running on immediate reaction. It ain't like that, Amir said calmly. I was used to him being the one who's hyped up and me being the one who's calm. Now there was a reversal. You saying it's not like that. Your face is saying that it is like that, I told him. Let's just find out what happened first, Chris said, as he threw his rational thinking in. If we skip the dojo, we can go get some pizza and see what's up with all this. You know, come up with a plan. I, I'm down, I told him. You're going to skip dojo, Amir smiled through his mangled face. You look like you need to skip it also. Besides, my shoulder is a little fucked up. I need to rest it before tomorrow night's game. What happened to your shoulder? Chris delved. Nah, it's just a little something. It's nothing. I dodged. Hold up. We got three minutes before class starts. Let me say something to Sensei since we are all three skipping dojo, I told them. 
I'm going to chill out here, Amir said. Yeah, me too, Chris agreed, as though Sensei was our father, who the two of them were afraid to confront, disagree with, or disappoint. The usual advanced fighters were on the floor waiting for our teacher. I gave my greetings to some of them and pushed off straight to Sensei's office. Konbonwa, Sensei, I greeted him. I pulled the envelope with the payment that I was supposed to give him out at our private lesson out of my back pocket. You and I got distracted earlier. These are my fees. I handed him the envelope. No, thank you, he said politely, using his trained hand to push the envelope back toward me. This money has somehow confused our bond as teacher and student, Sensei said. I understood what he was getting at. But I didn't want to enter into some long and deep exchange with him right before he was scheduled to teach. And while my friends were outside waiting, slowly and clearly, without any disrespect in my tone, I said, Sensei, I respect you and I am grateful that you have been my teacher. I want to pay as usual and continue our training when I return. I don't think that simply because I finally won one match between you and me, that our bond is any different. And I know that if you wanted to throw your kunai this afternoon and stop my heart, you could have. Now please accept my payment. I won't accept any more money from you. If you really do return after a week's time, we will continue. He nodded his head, but still seemed doubtful. I grabbed him up and gave him a first-time hug. I knew this was not his tradition. Thank you, Sensei, I said sincerely. I was good to go as long as he wasn't trying to cut me off for what I thought wasn't a good enough reason. Three things before you leave. One, never carry a firearm to an airport, Sensei said evenly. I would never, I assured him, as though that couldn't apply to me. Two, even though you say that you are not traveling to Japan, if you do find yourself there, never purchase a gun. It is not like New York. If you are captured with a gun, they will put you in their prison forever. He stared hard at me to push his point. Three, if there is any complication between you and Naoko Nakamura and he refuses to allow his daughter to return to the United States, let her choose whether to leave or remain in the country. If she chooses to leave, let her leave the country of her own will on her own two feet. What do you mean? I asked. Don't. Put yourself in a position where any authority could accuse you of kidnapping or any other kind of crime that carries a severe penalty. If you do, you will pay the price for every foreigner. Pay the price for every foreigner? I asked. The Japanese, as a people, have always distrusted foreigners. Don't give them any excuse to snatch your freedom from you. 
Sensei. I understand, I told him. Here, take this. Sensei opened his top desk drawer. Before he could hand me anything else, I put up my hand for him to stop. Sensei, you have given me more than enough. Too much, I protested. He ignored me and pushed a ring across his desk where I was standing. The ring was not made of gold. It was shaped for a man's finger and made from pearl. On the top surface was a wicked black insignia made from onyx. It looked powerful on the white pearl. On second look and second thought, I could tell that the ring must belong to Sensei because the size of it was definitely for him. I looked down at my own big hand. Sensei, watching me intently, said, Wear it on any finger. Just be certain to display it. In Japan and in many Asian places, this ring will win you favors that otherwise would be forbidden. Possessing it may allow the impossible to happen. It may even save your life. I listened, but I didn't believe in charms and material items that supposedly have superpowers, although the ring was nice looking. I knew I could not refuse him without causing further insult. I accepted it and thanked him. Sensei said, Sayonara. Sayonara. It was the word I hated most coming from my wife's lips. I paused and felt a chill. Sensei walked toward the class with a slight limp. Amir and Chris are with me. They will both miss class tonight also. Of course, Sensei said, they are your friends. Let them bid you farewell. We walked away toward our regular pizza spot. At a newsstand, Chris tossed a dollar for some cheap children's sunglasses. Here, put these on, he joked Amir. Fuck it. It's about to be dark. I don't need them, Amir said. But then he put them on just to go along with Chris's joke. At least you picked the right color. Red, Amir cheered. Fucked up, but still thinking about his ball team. I was silent and thinking on how both me and Amir would be playing tomorrow night's Hustlers League games with injuries, a slight handicap. With a large hot cheese pizza pie at the center of our table and two Cokes in one water, we each grabbed a slice and dropped it down onto the two thin white paper plates. Chris grabbed the salt and I grabbed the crushed red pepper and Amir grabbed the garlic. Instinctively, I whispered, Allah, la ilaha, illa Allah Muhammadur Rasulullah, over my slice before I bit into it. So, why are you hesitating to do something about your situation? I asked Amir. Or is it that you already took care of it? If you already took care of it, you don't have to speak on it. But if you let somebody do all that shit to you, They'll feel crazy confident and come back and finish you off if you don't get him back first, I warned him. Does the cat that did that to you live on your block? Or is he on your team? 
Is he somebody you're going to come across again and again? Prince asked Amir. Yeah, it's somebody who I have to see. No doubt. Amir confirmed being vague. Oh, shit. Chris muttered. Who is it? I asked, pushing for the details. It was my pops, Amir said, and then smiled. His busted lips split and discolored. No way. I don't believe that. What happened? Chris asked. Word up, Amir said. I came back from school today and Pops was waiting for me outside right at the bench. Soon as he saw me, he threw the gloves at me and said, let's go. Amir looked as though he was reliving it. I wasn't scared and shit. You know a young nigga be wanting to kick his father's ass from time to time. We just never get a real opportunity, but we wish we could, right? Chris looked puzzled. Then he broke out and laughed, a short, nervous laugh. True. I, I wish I could take a swipe at my father sometime, but I know it's impossible, Chris said sincerely. Nothing's impossible, Amir assured him. So what happened? I asked, pushing further. So, we went down to the basement in my projects and shit, and I was thinking like, I didn't want to use the gloves. I'm not no fucking boxer. I wanted to use our bare hands. But my pop said, keep the gloves on. Raise your fists up. You're not going to use the karate I paid for on me. Amir imitated his father's cool, old hustler's voice. We all laughed some. So we started boxing. That's my pop's thing. So he's getting the better of me. Then he started feeling himself and pulled his gloves off and just laid into me. Next thing I knew, he started punching me in the face, raw hands and all. I tried to block his jabs and swings, you know, and restrain him and control him. But it was like the old nigga was having flashbacks or something of some dude who had done him dirty in the past. I mean, I'm his son, right? But he's really trying to crush me. I got some good shots off on him too, but I wasn't trying to lay him out. I wasn't trying to finish him off. I know I could have threw my heart into it. I wanted to punch him in the face a few times, but not injure him or kill him. I mean, we both got to live in the same house together, right? Amir might as well have been performing a play. That's how he told his story. He made anybody wish they were there. He used all of his talking skills, gestures, and energy to make you feel like you was there. Chris was amazed and entertained. I, on the other hand, didn't deal with it like that. I could not imagine actually fighting my father. I definitely couldn't imagine trying with any real intent to punch my father in the face, scar him, whip him, or even to win. I mean, my father taught me various fight moves when I was real young, but the way Amir's face looked this wasn't no joke. It was real difficult to get my mind around the idea that his father tried to do him something extra dirty dirty. So what happened? I pushed Amir to finish telling his story. Afterward, we both went upstairs like it wasn't nothing. When my mother got home, ooh, she went off. My father told her, stop with the drama already. You know boys fight. Your son had a fight in school, and obviously, he lost this one. It happens. 
What'd your mother say after that? Chris asked. She asked me if I had a fight at school. I told her, yeah, but don't worry about it. You should see the other guy. Chris and Amir laughed again. After some seconds, I asked, but what was his reason? Like, why did your father want to attack you like that? Oh, because I fucked his little girlfriend, Amir said, casually. The girl I saw at your apartment yesterday? Not the girl, Dana, who was on the bench with me when you rolled up. I know. The one that was sitting on your bed. Yeah, her. Amir confirmed. I thought you said she was one of your girls, I reminded him. Nah, she really was looking for my father. And I knew it. And my pops knew it too. I just didn't want my mother to get arrested over her. You know my mother's smart. She wasn't just going to believe right off the top that the girl was there looking for me and not my pops. She already didn't trust the girl from something before. That's why my moms told me to take the girl to my room. That way, if the girl was there looking for my pops, my pops would reveal himself by the way he acted. Did he reveal himself in front of your moms, Chris asked? Nah, you saw how cool he was when he came back home, right? Amir directed his question at me since I was there with him yesterday. Yeah, right, was all I said. Well, the girl was in my room and she was tight at my father, so she was coming on to me. So I fucked her. My headboard was banging against the wall of my parents' bedroom and the whole nine. The whole time I'm fucking her, I'm covering for my father and hoping that it's convincing my mother that she was really my girl. And it did. The next morning, mom's was all cooled out. I bumped into my pops in the bathroom and he didn't say nothing rude, nothing, nothing. Later, when I got home though, he was just laying and waiting for me with the gloves. What about the girl Chris followed up? Oh, I fucked her good. At first, she was angry with my pops and fucking with fury like a revenge fuck, you know? Then I could feel her body loosen up and giving in. She slowed down and started moving her hips like music. We grinded some more and soon she was moaning. She wanted some tongue. I knew I had her all the way open. When we was through, she started looking at me like she was all turned out and in love. I told her not to bring her ass up to our apartment no more. If she wanted me to keep fucking her, or even if she wanted my father, she needed to stay her ass downstairs and wait till one of us come check her. Did she go for that? What did she say? Chris asked. What the fuck is she going to say? She said, okay. Chris and Amir laughed again. I wanted to laugh, but I couldn't. I was still trying to figure out why Amir's father had to hide his relationship with the female. From time to time, like many Americans I've met and known, Amir and his father claimed to be Muslims to have some knowledge of Islam or to be some kind of five percenters. A Muslim man is allowed to have more than one woman. In fact, a Muslim man, according to the Holy Quran, can have up to four wives. So what was the dilemma? If I chose to take a next wife, 
I would be upfront with it. I would introduce her to Akimi. I would teach her to love and respect Akimi as first wife. Akimi would accept her also. Both of them would understand that they are my responsibility. Women, I would protect with my life and provide for. Each of them would be for my pleasure and comfort. Each of them would become mothers of my children. I would be their husband and father to all my seeds. I would treat them all well and fairly. Why didn't your father just take the other girl as his second wife? I asked Amir. This ain't Baghdad, motherfucker, he snapped at me. My moms ain't having that shit. Besides, me and my pops are Muslim, but my moms, she ain't Muslim no more. My moms wasn't going for that shit either, Chris said. She be watching all them ladies in the church like a hawk. She ain't playing. Words of mother. They both laughed for a good long while. I let it go. I could see that somehow both of them thought that it was better the way they were living. Amir thought it was okay to fuck his father's woman to cover for his father fucking her in the first place. His father thought it was okay to fuck a woman without marriage or any degree of honesty. His father let another woman upset his household. For me, a wife is your peace and no one should be allowed to disturb a man's peace. And what about my friend Chris? What if his father chose a second or third woman from the congregation? Would it be okay for his father to go up and in with our marriage? Or acknowledgement? Would it be cool and acceptable to the church people as long as no one discussed or exposed it? And what would happen when Reverend Broadman created a life in a second or third womb? Would he abandon his children like a fool and a coward? Would he deny that the relations he had with the women ever existed the way Amir's father pretended and denied the female? I thought about Sudana, a really good and pretty and well-raised daughter whose attraction to me I could feel so strongly, yet I already knew that I would not go into her just for my own pleasure and without seeking her family's counsel, without thinking or planning and being ready and capable and being upfront with everyone I loved. I knew I wouldn't go into her without marriage and this is why I worked hard to guard myself from being led solely by my own deep desires. Brother, what you thinking about over there? Where'd your mind go? Chris questioned. He's thinking about Japan. You know he's leaving in two days, Amir said. Japan? Word? Chris looked amazed and astounded into silence. Listen, don't mention my trip to anyone else. Solid, I asked him. Why? Chris asked. Because he's a ninja? Amir joked. Chris laughed. Seriously, don't I? I reinforced, not even to Sensei. If I want anyone to know anything about me, let me be the one doing the telling, I said. What could we tell anyway? You've been to my apartment plenty of times. You and I have both been to Chris's house. 
but neither of us two ever been in your house, Amir said with a serious tone as though he had been cheated by me for all these years. You want to come to my apartment? I fired back. Come on. It was nothing for me to shoot by my block to meet Amir's challenge and resolve their curiosity and maintain our friendship. I would take them and we would get a game going on my court. I needed to work my left shoulder and arm anyway. True, I had never invited them or anyone else over to my place. This was the place where my Uma and sister were kept. Why should I allow anyone to enter? But now we were moving out. Amir and Chris didn't know this, but I planned to pack up my apartment as soon as I returned from Japan and to never have my mother or sister or wife back on my Brooklyn block. We would all leave from Mr. Ghazali's home to go to our new house as soon as it was available and prepared. Inshallah. Chris and Amir were content with the fact that I invited them over. For the sake of time, we played ball at one of our usual courts down from the dojo. Chris was afraid to aggravate his father and cause him to double up his punishment. Man, I can't be the reverend's prisoner for two seasons. I'm trying to do what my father demands for the springtime and then be free to roam the streets for the whole summer. Later, Chris left, saying to me, Take it easy, man. Thanks for finally inviting me to your place. And take the movie camera with you to Japan. I'll be the first standing in line to check your movie. Me and Amir remained on the court. I practiced my dribble using mostly my right arm only. I worked on one-handed layups and jumpers. Let's put some money on tomorrow night's game, Amir suggested. Why? I asked. Cuz, we both in fucked up condition, so let's see who the best man is between us. Which one of us can persevere through our injuries and come out on top? He smiled. He was always so hyped to make a bet. What if we both win and come out on top in our games? We both play in different teams anyhow. I wanted to show Amir a different angle instead of moving it like he and I should be rivals when we are best of friends. Besides, your injuries are on your face. That's not going to interrupt your mean-ass jumper. Don't sleep. I use this face to get a lot of shit accomplished. It'll be hard to talk shit on the court when I look like I got Brooklyn mobbed. That's why I didn't want to go around your block tonight. Them cats around your way, seeing me for the first time and shit, will be looking at me like I'm an easy vic. True, I admitted. But I would have held you down. I wouldn't I wouldn't even came outside my apartment tonight if it wasn't to go to the dojo. I knew you and Chris would show up. So I showed up, Amir said. Yeah? Or is it more like you hiding from your pops? We both laughed. You kind of good at catching shit. I'm definitely trying to stay out of his face for a few days. Tonight, I'm a crash at this female's house I know. Her mother works the night shift, she told me. Amir, I ain't sleeping alone. He imitated the high-pitched voice of a stupid female. Then he laughed and even hollered. I told her that tonight... I'm going to help you out. You can stay by me tomorrow night. Come by after your game about 11.30, I offered. Good looking out, he accepted. Small bet, 100. Amir was back focused on a wager. 
Do you even have a hundred dollars? I fucked with him. You a foul nigga, he said. I a hundred. If I win, give this hundred dollars to Sensei at your next class. Tell him I said, please hold my spot till I get back. Just pay him. And remember, not to tell him nothing else. I handed Amir the same envelope I tried to pay out to Sensei earlier. Amir took the envelope, flipped it open, and checked inside. He saw the money. Yo, slow down. You acting like you already won, Amir complained. I don't plan on losing. Not ever. You know that. Every man is losing something sometimes, Amir philosophized. I know. I just said I never plan on losing. A man who plans on losing loses every time. In the remaining hour I had open before going to pick Uma up from the late shift, I decided to give Bangs a call just to check on her situation. I had never phoned her before, but her number was embossed in my mind because when I first met her, she would say it, sing it, rhyme it to me repeatedly, hoping I'd give her a call. Purposely, I jumped on the train and exited at a random stop that I never use. I selected a random telephone booth. When I pressed the first number, I saw one dude here and one dude there watching the booth, as though it was their private house phone, and they were all expecting a call. I pressed the other six digits, disregarding them. Hang up the phone. I heard a male voice yell over the line before whoever picked up could even say hello. It might be Grandma calling from the hospital. I heard Bang's voice say as though she was holding the receiver down against her side instead of right to her ear. That's why you got that speed nut in your head now, because you always talking slick, the male voice said. Hello, Grandma. I heard Bang's excited voice say as though now she had the phone to her ear. Then the phone dropped, and I could hear hands dragging it back and forth and then click. I knew who the male voice belonged to. I had heard it before. And it wasn't one of the young fools from around her way. <laughs>